0: Welcome to the 66th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with the future diabetes pickleball ambassador and her wife, Bonnie and Jennifer Allen Barron. Thank you, as always, for listening, as I'm excited to share this second podcast with someone living with type one and their spouse. What better time to bring Bonnie and Jennifer together on the show than Pride Month? And I know this is coming out in July, but we all celebrated in June. And I'm so excited these ladies were willing to participate and to share their real lives. In this episode, we talk about life as a T1D dinosaur. Um, We touch on beef insulin, cloudy and clear, surviving the college years and how Bonnie's career stems from her earlier years with complications. Her passion to help others while living life to the fullest is inspiring. But before we get started, I wanna share, as always, a few quick announcements. This episode sparked an idea. Diabetes Confessions and Hacks. What have you eaten when low? How have you embarrassed yourself when high? Or whatever diabetes-related thing you care to share anonymously. We've all got a story or two, and everybody needs a good laugh. Feel free to send me a speak pipe message on the Diabetes Daily Grind website or a voice memo to amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. I was able to sweet talk a diabetic into recording the first one as he shared this ridiculous situation a few months ago, and it was perfect.
1: So here's my story of my diabetes confession. I had an appointment a couple weeks ago. At this barbecue joint which i was really excited about and as i got there about 30 minutes early sitting in my truck my blood sugar just started dropping like a rock and i'd actually been sitting there to the point to where it was getting too low where i was like man i don't need to drive uh i don't have sugar tablets on me and the line, the line was so long at the barbecue joint, I was sitting there going like, oh my gosh. And so uh, luckily I'm scrounging through my vehicle and I luckily had, which is terrible, two donuts, chocolate glazed donuts in a bag that were stale. And uh, I just was like, well, for the sake of my sanity me not having to leave, and not having to leave this appointment. I've got to eat these stale donuts. So, I destroyed them, and ate them, and it brought my blood sugar back up. And so, you know, sometimes you just can't plan all the time these pretty little, you know, things that you're going to do is a living as a person with diabetes is just, you know, some things you're just kinda, you just kind of, you got to figure it out. And so, you know, it's terrible to say that I ate two-week-old stale donuts, but it did help my blood sugar. So they are not the new sugar tablets, but I will be getting sugar tablets for the future, for situations like that. I haven't had that in a long time, but just thought I'd confess. Have a great day.
0: All right, announcement number two. In episode 65, I shared a heartfelt message and new podcast platform giving you details as to how I can keep rolling out the episodes for free. Just remember, and as I said in the last one, they will always remain free and it's very important to me. But I do. I do need support and I and, and it, I, I want to continue to stay authentic. And so, like I said in the last one, I'm not taking advertising dollars or sponsorships or anything at this time. Should I ever you'll be the first to know but the membership levels start as low as five bucks. That's one good cup of coffee that we probably didn't need anyway. but if you can't, no worries you know just do what you can all right um, And I've decided to sweeten the pot. After a ton of requests for a downloadable version of the theme song, I'm gonna make it available. I'm gonna make it available for membership levels twenty dollars and above. And more perk announcements coming soon. So please stay tuned and up to date on social media. Announcement number three. Speaking of the theme song, I know you guys are listening. You comment on these things and I know how many downloads are coming in each month. So we are working on another version and want your help. Come on, Peeps, get in here. Mike has requested, just like Ryan and I put together the last song, a list of diabetes-related words or phrases. I know we all have our own diabetes dialect, so shoot me what you got at Amber at DiabetesDailyGrind.com so we can roll out another version that, unfortunately, will probably get stuck in our head and we're going to be singing in the car and at the grocery store. So, let's do it. And episode, I mean episode, my goodness. Announcement number four. Please continue to love, like, and share and comment on anything you see fit. And don't forget, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It's easy to find me. You don't even have to stalk me. I'm just out there. Well, enough rambling. (laughs) I hope you laugh listening to this episode as much as we did recording it. So I'm sitting here in my living room, and it's been a while since I've had guests in the house with my friends, Bonnie and Jennifer. So welcome to the show, Bonnie. Hello. Thank you. And I only say that as welcome to the show, Bonnie, because she's the person that's sitting here with type 1 diabetes. That is me. (laughs) And you're my
2: age? I am. Would you want to throw that out there? Yes, 44. Okay. Yeah, you're older by a couple months. (laughs) Yeah, I just turned 44, so. Um,
0: And so I always start the show with... Your diagnosis. So how how old were
2: you and how did it go down? I was eight years old. Um, I was, yeah, kind of the classic symptoms of diabetes, like uh, sluggish, extreme thirst, weight loss and all of that. Um, Were you an active kid at that time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was always, yeah, I was always outside, always... um, playing, you know, I don't know, goofing off outside, <laughs> and I say that because it was, like, during the summer towards the end of school, so it was, you know, um, but my parents knew the signs because six months earlier, my sister had been diagnosed as type one, so they and, knew. Oh, wow, and so
0: was that a hard, when they, was it a hard way to figure out with her? Like, did she go into
2: DKA, or was there, like, a lot of... Uh, well, fortunately, we that we had a really good family doctor that um, that was almost one of the first things they checked with my sister just based off of her symptoms. Wow. But she was doing that, like dropped a lot of weight and all, right. the, all the symptoms. And then, um, yeah. So whenever it Six was my later. turn, <laughs> they um, knew right away, pretty much.
0: Oh Well, was it? Okay, I'm not going to say easier, but you already had somebody that kind of had the ropes. I mean, they already knew what was going on. Was that easier for you to transition
2: into having type 1 because you had a sibling? Um, well, she was my sister. So um, I think in some ways, yes. At that time, it was like, you know, like typical siblings and whatever. Um, like, did you compete about A1Cs or anything? No. No, well, not, good. not back then. I yeah, mean, right, we, no, I didn't know nobody, what a an yeah. and was from anything else, but, um, but we would, I mean, it, it was, it was good. I mean, thinking back, um, because it was common, it right. was just me and my sister in the house. My brother had already, um, graduated and moved away. And so, yeah, it was just like a common household thing at that point. Um, you know? I can't imagine that's crazy. Yeah. So how old was she when she was diagnosed? um see she's 13 okay she's 13 so it'd be harder I think to be diagnosed at that age than eight
0: I think personally so too. I mean yeah. my gosh yeah okay so you're diagnosed and I kind of mentioned this earlier because I always want everyone to have somebody they can relate to so your
2: nationality like what's your family history um uh, my mother was hispanic and my dad I mean very much Italian. Um, my grandmother's Italian. Um and maybe that's only pertinent because of pasta. Um but um so but yeah. Um mostly Hispanic, so But your mom passed away
0: when you were really young? Yes. I was so five
2: months old. So did
0: you know when you guys were diagnosed with diabetes, did did you guys talk about family history? Did you have any idea if anybody else along that bloodline had anything?
2: No. Um we didn't know of anybody, and actually, my sister and I got to meet uh, my birth mother's family, like, and nobody else is type 1. I mean, wow. there's plenty of type 2 to go around there, but, um, but nobody else is type 1. It's just me and her. All right, so
0: growing up, did you, because we've talked about this in a lot of podcasts, like, I didn't intentionally hide having diabetes, but I didn't ever talk about it.
2: Were you open about it? Did all your friends know? Yeah, most of my friends knew. Um, My close friends definitely did. And, you know, I don't know. I've always approached it, no big deal. Like, I have to do this. and Shoot up, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, But it's not something I, you know, really openly talked about with with most people. Right. I don't know.
0: What did you ever... Okay, here's the question. Did Did you ever have, like, a really ridiculous low and do something crazy? In the earlier years to where you're like,
2: I'm not saying as an adult, we can get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> True confessions. Um, yeah, yeah, as a kid, because I was always active, and um, God, I mean, I've been an athlete pretty much my whole life until until after college, but um, so, yeah, there's been times that I'd had lows, but... Fortunately, I did have a couple of friends that their parents were diabetic, not type one, but they knew, knew about yeah. it. They knew about low blood sugars, so, yeah, they would kind of look out for me. Did, okay, so what did
0: you start out on, NPH and regular?
2: Yes. No, well, actually, when I first started, we were, we like, beef and pork oh, insulin, God. and I was actually <clears throat> allergic to that. Okay. Then, at that time, I mean, I grew up in rural Oklahoma. Um, the nearest town that had the best doctors in medicine was Paris, Texas. Wow. So, we went to Texas to do all of the diabetes management. So, at that time, MPH and regular were kind of new hmm. and new to to us, I guess. I'll have to look up so what years they were put down. out
0: to you because I'll be curious. Because that's what I started with, and I was right behind you on that. Okay. But I I don't even know if if there were other options at that time. I don't know if they gave me something else, maybe in the hospital. But, yeah, cloudy and clear.
2: Yep, pretty much. Did you ever mix it
0: up and jack things up?
2: No. No, I mean, because our parents were kind of overseeing until they were older, and then it was routine, so. Okay, so did you give your own shots? I... like for the first few months I didn't and then because my dad was kind of the one that gave me my shots my sister was already giving hers and so I wanted to be the one they give mine so (laughs) you took over yeah I did yeah
0: that's good everybody needs their independence and um I was talking to somebody recently and I think their parents gave them shots I mean they for five years oh wow I'm like how do you Go to you and spend the night with your friends, and you know what I mean, like yeah, and you know teach their own. They they were doing the best that they could and whatnot. But that I just can't imagine. <clears throat> okay, so you go to college. You p- played professional. You played sports. I don't know yes. if it's worth professional college.
2: <laughs> not not quite professional, but yes, I was a tennis player. I started playing tennis. Oh gosh, I was eleven when I started playing tennis. So. Oddly enough, our town had a little tennis league that I just fell in love with the sport. So and I was recruited, you know, um, to play in college. So I was pretty fortunate with that. Scholarship? Yeah. Yes. Good for you. I mean, (laughs) I don't mean to sound nonchalant or anything, but but yes. Oh, full ride, flip my hair. Whatever, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 4.0. 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
0: about that. <laughs> okay, so in college, playing a college sport, because we have a lot of parents that ask about this, so <clears throat> any tips or any things that happened during that period of time that were kind of eye-opening?
2: Um, really, it, it, a lot of it kind of was just knowing where you're at before you, for me, before I would start a match or before I would start practice, knowing where I was at um where did did you try to be at that point
0: I mean because you know you kind of want to
2: I mean I where did you want to go in at um a little over 150 around that um but for tournament play that was tough because I mean tournaments for tennis like high school or college are not like you play a match and then you come back the next day you play another match right you're playing like all day like Two hour matches, three hour matches. And um, that one was tough because you just had emergency supplies and it was almost like, I'm just going to eat whatever I feel like that day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, you're (laughs) going to be needing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. So, So did it ever, did diabetes ever, did it keep you from doing anything during that period of time? um, Well,
2: I don't know that it did. I don't know that I approached it that way, but I also, Because it was my college years, I also did not pay as close attention otherwise to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly, I was worried about going low and didn't really care about the highs. Right. And didn't pay attention to it. And I can admit that now because, I mean, I have good control now. Right. But during then, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I kind of just didn't really approach it that way.
0: Well, and I can say, I mean, kudos for you for even testing. Like, I wasn't testing very often. And looking back, I think of some really low times, like when I was a waitress at Victoria's Pasta Shop, to where I was straight up hallucinating. And the cook noticed. I was like, I was about... I mean, to me, I thought I was about to have a seizure. Wow. And walked across the street and got a Snickers bar. They waited my tables for me. But it was... Holy shit moments, sweating through my clothes and oh, all that. Yeah. And okay, so that's the question. So, not everybody feels their lows the same way. So, how did you feel a low as a
2: kid? And has that
0: changed now that you're in your 40s? Man,
2: as a kid, I don't know that I caught it early on. Um, no tingly nose, no, no high sweat, like hardcore sweating. Um, this, the sweating and the, the kind of, you know, how the, the, Jittery, kind of yeah. shaky feeling. I would say in my forties, um, it's probably the you know I can tell. I wake up and mostly. It's at night because yeah. I take my uh, the Lantis at night, and then so that's usually if it's going to happen like that, it's going to happen at night. But I, I always wake up, and by the time I'm sweating, it's already like. Full on 40s. yeah, wake, wake Jen up and, and um, I need help, but usually I can uh, I wake up before that. But.
0: okay, let me ask Jen something. Jen, can you recognize? <laughs> can you recognize like even in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day when Bonnie's having
3: a low? Sometimes, um, sometimes when she she'll act a little bit different, a little sometimes a little, you know. A little snappy, (laughs) a little argumentative. (laughs) But in a way that doesn't really make sense with the context, like I'll say something, you know, like oh, what's this doing? And then she'll kind of like respond, like kind of yeah. to a way disproportionate response, and then I'm like, oh, maybe, uh, hey, would you like this juice? You know, and um, b- but then sometimes it's like we were on vacation and she had a low, and she started like singing, and she was so giddy and just goofy, <laughs> and I was like, I've never seen that. Where's this person? But I mean, not, not that I want. her ever to have a low but uh, man the first few times when she you know woke me up in the middle of the night because she's really the first person I have ever known right you know who's who's been a type 1 diabetic and um one time early on into our relationship she woke up in the middle of the night and and was like um um Jen I need help I, I was freaked out You're right like, and so I'm like running through like here's some raw pasta like trying to find <laughs> something with like a carb in it, you know <laughs> like, shove in her mouth but um I quickly you know the learning curve was was pretty steep and I got the hang of it but yeah I think um the the snappiness if it's really bad that kind of like she can't make a sound that um um and usually yeah. she'll kind of nudge me and then if she really can't put together right. a sense I get what's up but yeah, those are the telltale. But sometimes she just has to tell me. Still, you know.
0: Well, and I think one of the things so I want to go back a little bit and how I got to know Bonnie. And correct me if I'm wrong. So I knew Jen from the art Jennifer through the art world.
3: Um, were you part of O'Neill? Um, I was. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I was young enough to be. It was a program for emerging leaders, and right. I think um, I was right on the cusp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I met you at the arts conference it and was, Enid. And Enid, yeah. yeah. Years before I ended one. up working at the Arts Council. Right. But um, I was at the Arts Council of Oklahoma City at that time.
0: Right. So I got to know Jennifer, and we stayed in, you know, just social circles and everything in the arts world. And then I think we were at Kelsey Carper's house for maybe New Year's Eve or some party. And that might have been the first time I met you. And something was said, or maybe you brought it up, about how I also had diabetes. And so I was asking you about your regimen or whatever, and I remember you telling me, and I think it was the first, like, diabetes hack, and I hadn't started the Diabetes Daily Grind at this point that I recall. I'm pretty sure I hadn't. And you talked about, I think, giving, if your blood sugar was low going into a meal, you gave your shot after your meal. No one's ever in my life mentioned that, and I was like,
2: what? Yeah. Um that actually came... um pretty quickly after I had switched from MPH to regular and I had like calculated my little formula about carbs and I got full and I didn't yeah. eat as much as I thought I would and I had a really bad low and after that like it scared me because the insulin was new so yeah after that I mean now I've got it to where I can you know, give myself my shot beforehand, and or sometimes I even split it because I feel yeah. like, um, like I'll, you know, <laughs> you know,
0: you're gonna have a cu- thirty six grams of carbs or something going into this.
2: Yeah, yeah. If it, especially if it's a big carb mill. Yeah, um, which I try not to do too often, but um, but if it is, it seems like it helps it if I. Kind of split it before and after.
0: So I've never That's split easy. it, and it's not because I don't mind giving the shot. Okay, so you're this is where this is where archaic.
2: Yeah, are we you are st- are you still we on are. syringes or, it- or no, do you no, use a no. pen? No, I use a pen.
0: I went back I use- to syringes re- Did you? Uh, when I had a really bad. I had a pen malfunction in another you while know, I was on vacation, and I was like,
2: screw this, because
0: you could see at the bottle, you know how much you have left. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I go back, but my
2: other insulin is a pen. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Um, I've had that happen before with the pins, but I just use a syringe... To pull it out. To pull it out, yeah. Well, and now I know to travel with syringes just in case. Like, yeah. if I'm
0: using pins for both. Have you ever mixed your pins up?
2: Oh, well, my Lantus is still... Um, I still use a syringe for Lantus.
0: <laughs> I'm the exact opposite. Really? Okay, yeah.
2: So, my traceba I have a pen, but everything... Okay. Yeah, my Novo is... Well, it's just... I. I just hate pushing that much with a pen because I take, I mean, a lot of Landis, so...
4: Well, do you mind um, me asking how
2: much Landis do you take? Uh, 35 units. A day? Yeah. it's a lot. You know, it is.
0: It is. But it works? Yeah. Now, when you talk about your lows, do you have... Do you think if you scaled back at all, it would cut back on those or would it ride you high?
2: I, th- I mean, I think during the day, it just depends on the day. Yeah. It probably would. Um uh ride pretty high. So I don't know. That's just where I'm at. But I don't know. I feel like you I'm gonna tweak it every once in a while. <laughs> I'm also, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um that's where I get a little scared to do it because you get into these patterns of like just being scared to mess up your numbers and whatnot. But yeah. Um but I'm also in the middle of trying to switch up my medical team, so who knows what so what's gonna bring after that.
0: Okay, and something I want to out you to in the best way, you brew beer. Yes. (laughs) So I just sipped a badass summer IPA (sighs) that they created, and how do you, because this has been a huge topic, and when the podcast first started, I remember every one, I would crack open a really good beer, and that's why I burped through the first couple of episodes. (laughs) But, um, so tell me how you deal with alcohol and your diabetes well
2: for me it depends on the alcohol yeah um with beer i i love beer i just do but that doesn't mean i drink 10 or 12 beers at a sitting or a time we wouldn't
0: judge you if you did yeah
2: well (laughs) i might need other help if i did but um um with beer it's like after two i need to kind of um adjust for that um so will you give a couple units of insulin yeah so yeah. you'll
0: shoot. Why don't the God for the look? Why don't you get on a pump? Well, I, you can just dial up. I'm not I a just, pumper. I've never done it. So I'm just, you know what I mean? Like it would make drinking anything I don't mind. easier. It would. Yeah. it would. It
2: would. It um, would. My sister actually just switched to a pump. And so maybe I'm still learning from her, but she loves it already. And so Ugh. I don't know. Um, maybe she can give us notes. I, yeah. Oh, she'd be happy to. Or those 10 year olds could show us. <laughs> <laughs> we're the so we the dinosaurs that still. But oh my God,
0: I mean, if you okay, let's talk. I am okay with that statement in so many levels. and that, when parents come up and say, "Oh my gosh, this is what thirty six years of living with diabetes looks like," you give me hope. I mean, so I think that we're both, well, both of us have had scares. And so, do you want to touch on any? You, you've had a health scare, and oh yeah, how that yeah. came about.
2: Um, that was in my twenties. Actually, it was. 21 years ago now that um i did get diagnosed with diabetic retinopathy Mm -hmm. um but again i mean some of it was just very much lack of education right lack of knowledge of what the signs for that were during college um well and and we were just told i mean i was only told like the and the words
0: diabetic retinopathy was never used and i probably wouldn't have remembered it was you're going blind you know, so mm-hmm. if I yeah. knew it was a condition that was, I'm going to say, and I don't like the word preventable, manageable. Yeah, going into it, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. would I have thought about things differently instead yeah. of I know I'm going to go blind, so what the hell?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I would. I mean, in, I guess in some cases, and and I think sometimes that's where judgment comes in. Yeah, if you do have some kind of. um negative you know with your diabetes but um i didn't know the signs and it was during college and i you like i said like I, I wasn't really in tune with that like I, right. I couldn't have told you what my a1c was then Me but either. some of that mm. it, it's the knowledge i think there's a lot more education out there now mm-hmm. and knowing that that's that's the number that you pay most attention to, and then as you get older, there's other things to pay attention to. Right. So, but um, so I did have the classic, pretty much the the wavy lines, mm-hmm. the flashes of light. I had a retinal detachment, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't just like starting signs of diabetic retinopathy. It was like emergency wow times with diabetic retinopathy. So, um. <laughs> I had gone home, at that time I was going to East Central University, so I had gone home for the weekend, and I knew, like, I thought something was wrong with my contacts, I thought, you know, everything but this is, you know, a bad thing, yeah, so um, my mom called, uh, uh, the our doctor and they got it I don't know got us like into this whole role of things so um oh my God. The, my uh, ophthalmologist? Yes. ophthalmologist yeah yes so nobody wants in, to know that name just yes know that. <laughs> <laughs> I got into the ophthalmologist and he he looked and he he just he happened to know one of the best surgeons in not almost in the world right almost in the world like um at texas retina specialties um so he called him on a weekend and explained where i was at what was happening and i was down at texas retina specialties um or Texas retina specialist at, like, Monday morning. It was, like, he called him on a Sunday, and I was there Monday morning. That's great. And it was like I was in surgery. <laughs> like, it was just, I, I don't know. I think it was, you know, these right circumstances that I had. So, um, So they attached the retina in my right eye first. And then as I was recovering, and, I, and this could be like a three-hour podcast, just talking about the recovery <laughs> yeah. alone, but as I was recovering and gaining my sight back in my right eye, my left eye detached. And I, you know, we knew what it was, so so we did my left eye. Um and it was, it and you're really, still in college during this, right? Yes, I'm still in college. It was during um, the winter break, okay, that deeply, I noticed. Yeah. So, so I had time to do the surgeries and and fit those in. It was just a really, really crazy time um, and extremely scary, extremely scary. Because when I say that. Like oh, you can go blind. Like I, I couldn't see. I couldn't see, and and it was like there goes everything. There goes driving. There goes there goes tennis. tennis. There goes I was still playing tennis. So, um, you know, uh, the recovery was it was rough. It was rough. Like I had to lay my head straight down for eight hours a day because of pressure. Right. Two weeks. Um, the way that the eye heals, they put a gas bubble to put to hold where they had done the surgery. So just depending on where your retina detached and how the angle was and all that. So that, that was my punishment for it. (laughs) That was the recovery part. So, um, kind of fast forward as I was recovering from my left eye, the surgeon who was, I mean, this amazing guy that people from all over the world fly in to, to learn from him was telling me, he goes, You know, when you first came in, I didn't want to tell you this. Like, but now that you're recovering from both eyes, when you first came in, if we had saved one eye, it would have been batting a thousand. Wow. And the fact that we saved both of your eyes, it's virtually unheard of. Wow. Yeah. You're the case and study. So I was. I, I didn't come out um unscathed um i did lose my peripheral vision my left eye is pretty significant my right eye is less significant but i do have peripheral vision loss in in both eyes but you know i can i can see (laughs) you know now does that keep you from doing anything oh god well actually Um, With driving, it's, it's fine. I have to have side mirrors. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the round mirrors and everything. Um, Turning to see walking through doorways. Um, Mm. And another side effect that I didn't really recognize until, I guess later, but it also like crowds, it causes extreme anxiety. Oh, I bet because I can't. I can't see what's around me. I bump in. I bumped into strollers before, and people wanted to, you know, right? Like you're like drunk or something like, crazy, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I can't see. I don't have peripheral but, you know. It, so you just kind of excuse yourself a lot, right? And um, so, so little things. Um, like, Can you ski? Huh? Can you ski? Well, I couldn't before the surgery,
0: so. do you I mean like I'm thinking of all the things you have to see I'm like I don't want to snow ski either necessarily but if the thing
2: was set you know yeah you know what I mean (laughs) um but there's other things like I've tried to play basketball after um the surgery um and it was like oh yeah people can just walk up beside me and grab the ball and it's fine um it actually changed the way I played tennis Oh, um, okay. when I, um, got back into it and recovered, um, I had to do a lot more prep time on the court just okay. to track the ball. Right. And right. no, trust myself that, uh, that, um, I'm hitting the ball where I'm supposed to be. Right. And it was a lot of training after that. So have you tapped into pickleball? Oh my God, don't get me started on pickleball. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because It I is awesome. I like, love it. I can't it. wait until I'm old enough to join and play pickleball. I, I need to find it somewhere that's not like...
0: At the wellness center that I used to work y- y- at for y- people age 50 and beyond, where yeah. pickleball is like a yeah. cult? Yeah.
2: Six more years, I'm on it. <laughs>
0: I'm taking the pickleball world by storm. I know there are pickleball... I mean, I don't know in this part of Oklahoma City, but... There are churches. There are all kinds of leagues. There's actually an Oklahoma Pickleball League that you can look up online. Yeah, I was at the State
2: Fair, and (gasps) they did the the sessions. And I think I wowed them. I don't want to brag. You're going to be the diabetes pickleball champion. I feel like there's a tournament coming on. That's right. I'll inspire. (laughs) I'll inspire millions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, The... um, I took pictures um, just to prove to my family that I was learning to sport when I was learning how to play pickleball at the wellness center. And I was wearing my real-life diabetes T-shirt just to be like, yeah, I got diabetes. I can do this. Representing. And I had like a 90-year-old like smoke my ass. <laughs> and I was like, Amber, you got to get in the gym. Something's wrong with this. <laughs> so, okay, another thing that connected us, which we didn't realize until later, or I didn't realize until later. <clears throat> so Ryan and I have talked about, both getting financial support i don't know if that's the correct word is that the right word sure assistance
2: yeah Uh, yeah, we call it um sponsoring
0: sponsoring so um we both had got received vocational rehabilitation for life with type 1 diabetes and i remember the i had a counselor that mentioned it and i thought what the hell i can't believe anybody would ever pay Help pay for my college because of diabetes, yes. and getting the uh, the award letter, and just like my whole family bawling because everything about this disease is expensive. But to help help with now, the only thing that was negative, and I've said this before too, is that it did uh, limit me as to what I could study. At that time, I could not be a, a painter, study fine art. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were a couple of things. And their explanation for that, not that I wanted to be a painter, but it was, if you lost your eyesight, would you still be employable? And that's, again, understandable. Ironically, after graduating with an environmental science degree or geography degree, I opened a gallery. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I may not be able to paint, but by God, other people can. And it wasn't intentional, actually, but it's just kind of funny how all those things. So you work for that department. Mm -hmm. The Department of Rehabilitation Services. And the woman, and you were friends with the woman who helped really push my paperwork through. Yes. She was amazing.
2: Yeah. Donna DeSalvo.
0: Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, DeSalvo. DeSalvo. I remember even whenever I applied to do an internship at Disney World, she was like, I don't know, this is going to be hard. But she filled out everything, made sure I was taken care of, and I was able to not that they paid for it, but helps kind of offset some things. And it was, it was awesome. And so is that still available for people with type one?
2: Absolutely. It is. Um, how many pages of paperwork do you have to Yeah. Oh, it's a bunch because it's still the government. Um, but yes. And you know, at the time there's different focuses, but, um, I've been a counselor for the department of rehab for 17 years now. So, um, But, no, I mean, we're not in it to limit or predict the future, so things have changed since. um, I mean, but we do have to take into account if part of the vocational guidance, part of that is, you know... um, Being employed. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody, yeah. That's our sole focus. So that's why we help people go to college, um, because... Whatever somebody's employment goal is, if it requires a college degree, then um, that's what we're there to help for, uh, help with. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to critique Donna's strategies with saying, but, um, but and that was twenty five plus years ago. Yes, it was nineteen ninety four. I actually, I actually um, got assistance too. Through through VOC rehab or the, we call it VOC rehab or Department of Rehab. So, um, but things were a lot different when I went through it than versus how it's handled now, right? So, and a lot of it has to do with government regulations and what they want to see. Now. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, but there's a lot of more there's a lot more options out right. too for training. So there's a lot of different focuses that we look at. So.
0: So, you know, uh, recently we both did the JDRF video. Yes. <laughs> Is there any, are you involved with any other diabetes community things? I wasn't
2: until I started all this. Yeah, so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. Right. At all. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, well, I definitely know that because of my complications from diabetes um, it did lead me to my career. Like during right. that whole time is where I found, um, rehab counseling and that's, and I happened to be at the right college at the right time that it was there. So I don't know, in some ways I feel like, um, cause I have worked with type ones on my caseload. Um, I specifically work with high school students with right. disabilities. So I've met a few, um, parents of type ones just um, me going to speaking engagements at the schools and right. stuff so but um, you know outside of that I, I don't but I'm not opposed to it at all I don't know. Hmm.
0: any diabetes hacks anything besides splitting your, your dosage and things like that again rocket like it was my rockets were going off when you said that to me Anything else that you do that you feel like you weren't taught but that you learned?
2: I don't know. That's really hard to say. That is a hard question, and I apologize yeah. for
0: not prepping you earlier um, in the deal.
2: I don't know. I don't know that I would have any that are worth that, that anybody else doesn't know. Um. <laughs> You'd be surprised. A lot of it, I mean, well, and, okay, so
0: random, you have a couple of p- dogs. Mm-hmm. Do any of your dogs sense your lows?
2: No, they don't care. (laughs) Although, one night, my little Chihuahua guy, um, I had, like, a really bad low. Like, one of those lows where you're kind of, like, get stuck. Like, you sit up in bed, and then it's hard to move because... You have no idea what's going on. You're just sitting there, and um, I... Yeah, and but he wouldn't leave me alone and he kept pawing at me, so maybe there's hope. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Was he a rescue? Yes.
0: Okay, well that'd be yes. a really cheap diabetes awareness dog it if would. you were to, to have, yeah, your chihuahua help you out. Well, Jennifer, is there anything you want to chime in as being the, the life partner of somebody with type 1 diabetes?
3: <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think she's really covered it all. It's I mean, it's been kind of new to me. And, you know, at first, one of the the things I noticed about Bonnie was that um, she was a little bit protective about her her diabetes care. And I think think it comes from having grown up with a lot of people acting like they know more than the person you know, who has the disease and being given a lot of inaccurate, you know, so I understand why she had this, like, was kind of like holding back because, because I wanted to know, especially after, you know, the first couple of times that, she had a low around me, I wanted to know, like, well, if we're gonna be together, I want to know how to help, you know, I mean, I'm part of your life, you know, deal with it. (laughs) And um, so, you know, eventually, I I learned. And, you know, I think, you know, eventually, when we got closer, she kind of opened up a little bit. But I think that that um, is something that people without diabetes can know that, um, you know, that diabetics get a lot of unsolicited medical advice. Yes. And, um, just to kind of let them take the lead on you know on any any helpful things um today you know if we're going out to an event or something like I'll always throw some something in my purse like usually a little get <laughs> ga- like Bonnie's favorite um thing to kind of dose herself with is yeah. Oreos because she kind of knows has a good sense <laughs> of how many Oreos will bring her to where she needs to be and gas stations usually have that little round sleeve right. of Oreos so just throw one of those in my bag and Smart. you know that's kind of I just, you know, like even if she doesn't need it, you know, like sometimes she does. And it just, it makes me feel better to right. know that there's something if she needs it. Um, Well, I remember you guys saying at
0: one point, and then when I was first getting to know you, when it talked about the lows at night, in your nightstand, you had cookies. Yeah. Yes. And yes. I was like, oh my gosh, how are you? There's got to be crumbles everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: now know what I mean? The Oreos have that easy seal lid. <laughs> I don't know if you've been around an Oreo container I have not I need to check it out. <laughs> They have this little flap that, like, sticks back and just seals ah. itself, and they're in this little tray. You pour the tray.
0: That's hilarious. Okay, so. so what's your go-to when you're low? How many Oreos do you eat? I'm guessing there's five to six grams of carbs per
2: Oreo. I have no idea. A little more than that. Eight? Ten? Now you're making me do math. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We could probably look it up. It will be in the show notes. For three, there's 28. Three, there's 28? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like, well, that's what it's on the package. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right in there. You're right in there. Um. (laughs) Do you
0: wait? Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you eat the three and wait 15 minutes? Or is there like, let's gobble down six. Let's get this. I have learned
2: to, to wait and be patient. It's the hardest part. Yeah, I think I could do one of those, um, what is the Texas beef challenge thing? Like the, oh, eat the 72. Whole steak? I yeah. probably could. If I, if it's low enough, I could probably eat the whole, like I could eat the whole house. It's not going to
0: get your sugar up very high. Yeah,
2: no, it won't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd win the challenge and get a t-shirt. But yeah, so it is hard. That's the hard part with r- really, really lows. And I've woken up in stacks of bread with honey and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a long time ago, thankfully. That's the thing with getting older too. Like the effects of having those real lows. Um, they're different. Like than, debilitating. I mean, what w- words would you use yeah, to describe like, it? Um, along with sweating in the that getting really really hot and just the in crazy inferno sweating and then when it starts to come back up there's nothing that i I can't have enough blankets like it's just it's weird like Mm -hmm. the i get really really cold and the headaches headaches as a kid i never got headaches like it come back up i'm ready to go but you think that's hormones that now that we're getting older maybe there's another part of that Man, that's another podcast. But I know. Probably. I mean, it probably it's is. crazy. See, you could do a uh, Menopo-
0: pre-menopausal. <laughs> God, we're not going to say that just yet. I'm not ready. No. no I will no. say somebody told me a long time ago, and she was she was diagnosed in her 40s. She unfortunately passed away, I think, in her late 60s. But she told me that menopause is nothing compared to a low blood sugar. Okay. So I kind of feel like I got Bring this. Bring it on. Right? Bring it on. Yeah. As my friends are putting, like, what towels around their neck, I'm like, Girl, that's nothing. I sweat through my clothes every night. (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's anything else. You know, you are a wealth of knowledge. And do you think, this is a very long out there kind of statement, but that you would ever try a pump?
2: Yeah, I'm not a... I haven't been swayed. So, you know... You know, I would need more education um because it, creatures of habit I'm definitely a creature of habit mm-hmm. and because I have really good numbers that I'm I'm very happy with my numbers right. but um I just don't want to jeopardize that I don't because I've had complications before even though it was like 21 years ago but still I just don't want to anything because why fix something if it's not broken yeah and the only thing the only thing i would do because i i do not have a i don't use a cgm i desperately want one so i get that's your shit together am, that's why i'm i'm trying to switch and get into um different doctors that will help me out with that
0: is there either is there anyone in particular that you're leaning
2: towards um there's the Abbott freestyle libre there is the dexcom I would I would go with Dexcom if, if I get my choice.
0: And there's another one. There's I think, and I'm going to say this incorrectly, and nobody's paying me obviously to say any of this. Ever since or something along that lines, it's I think a 90 day. It, they a doctor actually puts it in for oh. you. It's kind of like a tra- little transplant. They have to switch it out, but it's a 90 day. I need to do more research so I can speak about it in edu- okay. an educational fashion. I have never Bat- heard of it. That. Yeah. yeah. That's the newest thing that's out. And it, there's a closed loop system now that your pump can talk to your Dexcom that shuts it off, turns it up, does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I yeah. am terrified mm-hmm. because that's a lot
2: and there's well, a lot of room for error. And I think you rely on... Checking those numbers and knowing how you feel. And then I feel like if I go on cruise control like that, that that can be scary. Because if something goes wrong, then there's no backup. There's no safety net right. to me. So that's the only thing that scares me about a pump. Um, I've heard of people thinking that they were getting their insulin and it didn't get, going yeah. day to day. And something was wrong with the tube. and um, So... And uh, like that terrifies me too. (laughs) That, yeah, there's a lot. Um, I will say the one thing that,
0: and I've made it clear who I'm a Dexcom warrior is that seeing the arrows because it shows you like, if you're rising quickly, dropping quickly, like there's no room for error. It's like, you know, when you get to this point, it's all right, shit's hitting the fan. Let's do something. Yeah. And then, you know, I laid down earlier just to, and I was, going to wait until I saw the numbers go back up before I did anything else cuz I knew it wasn't going to be productive. Does it wake you up? It does. There are alarms and you wow. get to set it. So, yeah. because I don't have a lot of highs, I set my alarm at 300 because I'm rarely in the 200s and mm-hmm. that's like it's rare that that goes off. Now I have my one low at 70 and then an urgent low at 55. But I usually feel it beforehand. Yeah. But if I'm at 120 and I see a double arrows down, I'm going to act immediately. Because it's dropping so quickly, I'd rather have a little bit more, a little bit more carbs and sugar in my system, so that it doesn't Bought hit about. the fifty-five. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, I'd rather ride that wave a little bit differently. Where do you start filling up? Oh, uh, I would say about ninety. Okay, that's kind of
0: where I am. Yeah, which and it frustrates the hell out of me when the medical community says you should be between seventy and whatever. And I'm like, if my blood sugar stayed at seventy. I wouldn't feel good. But then they're like, well, you'd get used to it. And your A1C would be lower. And I'm like, I don't care if my A1C is a 5.6. I mean, (laughs) I don't. I would feel horrible.
2: Yeah. I'm happy at a 6.4 or whatever. I I also think you would have more lows easier. Yeah. Like any little thing, you know, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So so it's just one of those, that the arrows have definitely made a difference. And to each their own. And um, I was terrified in the beginning because putting one on
2: is have you ever put one on no no i'm gonna be going through this fresh i guess I you got know. a lot of you got a lot of support yeah
0: and there's a lot of facebook groups and things like that and there's youtube videos like i put out one and somebody put the first one on me and then i did one when i switched to the g6 and it's so much easier now okay they have made a We've And made an incredible change and hopefully in the next by 2021 20, we'll have the g7 which yeah. i don't know anything about but I'm like how much better can it get no finger pricks
2: g6 yeah well that would be amazing i just i don't know like it, it would be a but whole you have new to world trust, you have to trust technology and that's scary yeah it can be not as scary as having something implanted in your skin like that's Okay, I,
0: I have read a lot about it. A I don't little know. Black Mirror
2: ish. I don't
0: know. Right? Are they tracking
2: me? Yeah. Are they keep keeping an eye on my blood sugars? Yeah. What are they telling the insurance company? All of a sudden, you're getting ads for things you're just thinking about. I don't know.
0: If that ever comes through a CGM, I'm gonna be really pissed. They really took the diabetes community like really. We're huh. not already broken down, and now you're using mm-hmm. us. So. Well, anything else you ladies want to chime in? I think we've covered a lot. but And it's clear mm-hmm. that <clears throat> there will be future podcasts if we want to just talk about your diabetic retinopathy. Oh, yeah. I can, yeah. And if we ever go into menopause, whenever. <laughs> if I'm still doing the <laughs> podcast, we'll have a whole other section. Oh,
2: probably, yes. About that and the but. life hacks with that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not ashamed of that now because yeah. that was the time in my life that I took control of my diabetes and I relearned everything so yeah it's. Um, but if it can help somebody know what's happening um, before it got to the point where mine was then yeah absolutely what would you tell a newly diagnosed let's just say a
0: teenager any words of advice or
2: <clears throat> anything you'd say um I think with a newly diagnosed teenager, um, I would just kind of urge them to learn as much as they can themselves. Um, I also would urge parents to be a partner with the diabetes and not the commander. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, Because it... And even like preteen or even at a young age, because at that point it's the parents' diabetes. Yeah. And as anybody like grows up with that, and I don't know your experience, but I know mine and, you know, feeling like you're in trouble because your blood sugar was high or whatever. I mean, the, the CGM or, um, or, I mean, just testing your blood sugar is a tool. Yeah. It's a tool to tell you where you're at. So, and not to be ashamed if your blood sugar goes high because there's other reasons that it can go high other than you ate the wrong thing. Well, and I think one of the good things right now, what I've witnessed in some of the
0: diabetes camps, especially with the preteens and things like that, there's no good or bad. Your numbers are going to do things that are out of control, especially when you're going through all of your hormones crap as a teenager and you know, that wasn't articulated I think in our age because people didn't really know maybe, or
2: there was not a subject. Um, yeah. So. And maybe it it relieves some of that shame thing. Like as Jennifer was saying earlier that, um, it seems like (laughs) all of the advice comes from people that are not diabetic. And I feel like because they feel like they don't have diabetes, then they already know more about diabetes than you do. So, um, that's when you give you them know, a quick throat just, punch. Yeah. Just, and, you know, to teens especially, um, that there's, a, it's not a shame, because um, I think feeling ashamed or feeling like you have to hide that you have diabetes mm-hmm. can cause major issues, mm-hmm. and um, that that maybe you don't shake as an adult. Yeah, that's a fact right there. So. All right, well, ladies, thank
0: you so much for being on the show, and we'll have you both back on in the future with all the other once we get you on a CGM.
2: <laughs> awesome! <laughs> Thanks for having us.
0: All right, thank you. That's a wrap. Bonnie and Jennifer did a fabulous job sharing what diabetes looks like in their relationship, and it's clear they support each other immensely. This episode brought to light for me. Type 1 diabetes does not discriminate. We come from all walks of life, age, race, sexual orientation, etc. So be kind to one another. We have no idea what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. And compassion can go a long way. As I wrap up the rest of this episode, I have a few last items I would greatly appreciate your input on. You do help guide the show. Thank you for that. Number one, the real-life diabetes consulting group's growth and momentum is often fueled by hearing a story from someone frustrated with their doctor or an unpleasant experience they had in their office. You know, that could also be that call to the pharmaceutical company or to the tech company and, you know, you're just frustrated as hell and they don't understand what you're trying to articulate. So, the very reason we started this is to help bridge the communication gap between the patient And doctor or facility or company this is your chance what would you like to see improve how can your medical team better communicate and serve you we are also asking the medical community very similar questions so they can fine-tune their bedside manner and ask appropriate questions for your condition with compassion we have a lot of room to grow and you can help be the driving force for change. Woo, makes me excited to even say that. Number two, in an effort to reach all people living with diabetes and the loved ones affected by it, I'm curious, how do you stay up to date on what's going on in the diabetes world? Whether that's the new technology, whether it's that it's mental health month, um, that there's a new medication out, is it Facegram? excuse me (laughs) face grant i'm getting old that's what it boils down to facebook instagram other podcasts linkedin newsletters magazines (laughs) without sounding creepy please let me know the best way to reach you and please don't say call me or text me because that is probably not going to happen it's not going to happen okay number three since issuing the last episode i've been thrilled to receive messages from diabetes from across the globe asking, which I am so humbled by, if I would help connect them to other people living with diabetes in their area. You know, we say this often, a lot of us feel alone. And um, not everybody's loud and proud like I am about living with this disease. So it seems like a no-brainer, right? Um, Well, as the membership continues to grow, I plan to do just that travel the countryside meeting other people who get it while connecting and making friends along the way don't forget these are all people that are going to be podcast guests so you know i'm always excited to hear how somebody else is living their life with this disease and it may just be somebody off of route 66 you never know i don't know if you would like me to visit your neck of the woods just hit me up and let me know where you live (laughs) please keep in mind the real life diabetes happy hours that I put together usually take a few months to build up the momentum and to get everybody on board to find the location and for me to get there actually too. So um, just keep that in mind. And if you live in North Dakota, <laughs> I probably won't be visiting you in December unless you can provide me with some really cool gear. Just throwing that out there. I don't have never been in that cold environment, but the sky is a limit and it is, and it brings me joy. To sit across the table from people who understand and can relate hit me up i have a subaru a passport and i'm willing to travel number four i have a solid list of future podcast guests down the pipeline and thought the opportunity to know who they are in advance and the opportunity to submit a question or two would be an exciting membership perk more details coming soon in the next episode just need to work through some details. I'm also happy, as I cl- always say, to stock and or friendly stock. Let me just throw that out there. And or locate someone or research a topic you would like to learn more about. Just let me know what you're thinking of. You know, there, no, no subject is off limits. And we all are thinking about things differently, which is great. And that helps I feel like educate everyone, because what you're thinking about, I may not even cross my radar, which is kind of what we talked about in the earlier in this episode with Bonnie telling me about giving my insulin injections after the meal. I mean, anywho, yeah. Um, so with all of those items, if you have feedback, ideas, comments or complaints, and I really hope you do have more of the ideas and comments and complaints, but uh, please send them to Amber at diabetesdailygrind.com and I will get back to you um, as soon as I can. I'm hope I'm hoping to be flooded by this because I'm excited for all these opportunities and it really is about finding your voice even if it's anonymously through the confessions and hacks or whatever. It still it, you you found your voice if you and I can help put that out there. So thank you so much for loving, liking and sharing, for listening for sharing this message with other people because just think if it this podcast has made an impact or the blog on your life good or bad really it's you know i've learned about a lot of stuff with diabetes i just didn't want to know about um share it with somebody else you never know who needs that information and as we're talking about compassion and um caring for others i'm hoping this will be a very positive outlet for everyone so I'm excited for what's ahead, as I said in the last one. And as always, cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.
4: It's a daily grind, and the daily grind. And it grinds and grinds and grinds, cause I've got more lenses than you. You said, I got more lenses than you.